Turn with me to Psalm 37, if you will, Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verse 4. Now, our theme this year has been each one reach one, and we've been following that through and taking it down uh, several different roads about what it means to evangelize our community and reach out and, and how we can do that. And we've broken it down to being part of a church. And uh, we talked about Jesus and, and what he did and how he served and ministered and the example he gave to us. And we're at that, uh, the part now where we're just wanting to get real practical. What do we do? What's next? And that's been the series we've been in. What next? And it leads us to this message today. Um, now that we are in the mindset of ministry, now that we understand its importance, now that we understand the necessity of ministry and local church connection, I hope, you, I hope you've understood that. And, and as I said last week, next year, our theme next year is life is a church. The church is under attack. The importance, the relevance of the church in society and the lives of individuals is under attack. So next year, we're going to be talking about what the church is and who the church is and, and what the importance of the church is in your life. What role does it play in life, in society, in everything. If it is God's chosen vehicle to reach this world, the local church, then we need to understand it if we're going to be part of it. So we're going to be spending the year talking about it and, and, uh, and, and seeing what, what that really means and how it breaks down to our lives. Some of it might be surprising to you because there's so much teaching out there that is false about what the church is and and uh, what the church is supposed to do and what the church doesn't do and, and uh, the fact that church isn't relevant or important anymore, that church has become passe in society. That's just wrong. That's just false teaching. And uh, so we're going to be looking at that, but we've gotten to the place where it's time to get practical. This is just a little feedback. Uh, it's time to, get, time to get practical about the church. It takes a lot of work to make a church successful. Church is not simply a two-hour-a-week religious service uh, that is put on and taken off when the time is over. It's not just a production on Sunday morning. A true church is one that carries on its ministry every day, both in the lives of its members and throughout its community. A, church, a true church is always looking to enhance the spiritual lives of its members and provide opportunities for growth and ministry, as well as constantly looking for opportunities to reach its community in ways that will help challenge, change, and draw people to Jesus. It's not an organization that produces anything of material value. That's one thing uh, about us. We don't, we don't make anything that we can sell, right? We do not produce anything that we can put out on the market, that we can open up a store and say, this is New Life Church's product. We don't, we don't do that, and that's not what a true church does. But the mission of the church is one of spiritual value, one of eternal difference. That is what you must buy into if you're going to be a fruitful member of this church. Now, I know some of you come from a church background that's very different than what we do here. Some of you were raised in churches where it was a social event, where there were a lot of, uh, there were, there were a lot of different ways about going about church. And some of you were raised in different uh, 
almost different faiths, not, not the what we would call the born-again evangelical faith. You were raised in faiths that, that put a lot of emphasis on your works and a lot of emphasis on community and, and uh, doing good things and you know, all that. And I understand that, and I, I get that. And I know that it's a big change to hear that that's really not what the Bible teaches and that we need to be um, more conscious and conscientious about what the Bible does teach about a church and what a church is. We make no apology here at New Life that we are different and that the focus and philosophy of the ministry of this church is your own personal spiritual growth and reaching those people out there that don't know Jesus. That's it. That's what we do here. That's what we do. We, we reach people with the gospel. We help grow you and train you and, and teach you so that you can teach others. Some of you who are younger believers and, young, and, and new parents, and you're trying to find the, the connection there and the combination that will work where your newfound faith and your newfound child intersect and you're going to raise your children with a faith. Boy, that's so important. It's so much easier to teach someone who has been taught at home the Word of God. It's so much easier to, to get people to buy into the relevance of Jesus and the importance of Jesus in their lives when it's backed up by lives at home that teach that importance as well. And then to go beyond that, and we've talked about this for the last several months, to go beyond here, go beyond these walls and reach out to our community that is lost and dying and on its way to hell. Here in two weeks, on the, on the 1st, December 1st, we're going to have missionary Craig Alsup here. And uh, I don't take a lot of missionaries in because we really don't have an active missions program at this time. We're getting ready to build it. But uh, Craig is from a group called, uh, an organization called MANA. And uh, I, I know the gentleman that started MANA. And I'm not going to take the time to talk about it because Craig will talk about it. And it's just an organization that goes to different, world, different parts of the world and they, they go into communities that are underserved and underfed, and they open feeding centers for children. And they offer two meals a day, and in order for your child to be in the program, they have to go to school. And one of the things they teach in that school is the Bible. They have, this, this organization is so amazing. MANA is so amazing and so successful. They have gone into Muslim communities, and the Muslim leaders have invited them in and they said, now, now let me, let me help. you just need to understand, when we come in, we teach the Bible, we teach about Jesus. The Muslim leaders in many places have said, that's okay, we don't care. If you want to feed, your ch feed our children, we want you here. They buy the food off of the local economy, so it puts money into the local economy, so the parents, and they start bringing the parents. It's an amazing program. Craig, what caught, me, caught my attention about Craig is Craig is part of the um, Asian team. And you know one of the countries that Craig travels to, and he's going to have a married couple here with him traveling that day? Nepal. I, Nepal. And we have a Nepali congregation that meets here at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Sundays. And that's going to be amazing. And Craig is, uh, is going to be able to connect with them in a very special way. So we, those are the kind of things we do as a church. We don't manufacture gizmos to sell out there. We help people grow in their faith. And we encourage you and arm you and strengthen you to the point where hopefully you can go out there and you can stand for Jesus and be a light in a very dark place. 
So how do we go about doing that? A true church is made up mostly of volunteers who give their time to accomplish the ministry that is laid out in the scriptures. Now, in, a, in any church, most churches, there are some full-time employees. Our church, we have three people on staff here at this church. Uh, myself, uh, our assistant pastor, Zach, and my wife, Erin, is the director of administration. Uh, only one of us gets paid. And uh, if you want to know the salary structure, we can, I'll sit down and share with you. We have a very cool salary structure. Our, stra- our salaries go according to the public school system. Uh, we're not, we don't get rich here. It's, that's not what it's about. Uh, no pastor on our staff will ever make more than a, school, than a public school teacher. I think that's a very fair, uh, fair, fair comparison. Right now, we're operating about 23% of salary capacity. So uh, there's, there's growth available there to, uh, to bring those salaries up. But um, most of the work done in this church, and in any church, is done by volunteers. People who volunteer, who give of their time to get the work of God done. This is where, in my opinion, the church becomes its most impressive. The fact that volunteers drive the ministry of New Life Church and of a true local church, man, this is where, to me, the church is most impressive. The place where people, for no gain of wealth or fame, go beyond what is considered reasonable in the outside world to accomplish feats and make differences that will only fully be measured and known in eternity. Some of you, I won't ask you to raise your hands, but some of you, if I were to ask you or put it to you, has anyone in your family or your life that doesn't go to church and isn't really connected to a church ever said to you, why do you do so much? Why do you give so much? Not just, not just finances, but why do you give so much of your time? Why do you, why every Sunday morning when you can, I mean, we, you know, the, the, for those of you who are Patriots fans, we have prayer at the end of the service, uh, but for those, of you, for, the, for those of you who are Patriots fans, um, you know, if they play at 1 o'clock, man, you could get into tailgating, right? You could do a tailgate at 11 o'clock, and you can get your buddies and families together, and, and uh, you could have a tailgate. But no, man, you're here. You're here in church. And, you know, Will, you might, you might miss the first half with this sermon. I'm just kidding. Uh, the Rams play Sunday night football this week, so I'm good for a few hours. Uh, but there's so much. But this, oh, say. But there's so much, so much else that you could be doing with your time, right? So much else you could be doing with your, your involvement. You could be involved in so many other things. And I guarantee you there's some people here whose family or friends or, or, or people in their lives have said, you know, you go way too far in church. My goodness, you go way too far. You give way too much. Man, that's the beauty of a local church. People going beyond what is reasonable for a normal human being to give of themselves for a cause that is greater than themselves. Do you realize living for Jesus may not make you rich or famous here? But check this out, man. There are people that you will be able to sit down with in heaven and talk with that are there because of you, because of your willingness to sacrifice your time your gifts, your talents, yes, your money, everything, so that they could hear about the one that nobody else wants to tell them about. We argue about silly things. That, I mean, we're, we're talking about stupid things in this country now, right? Right? Are, 
we're, I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it. We're arguing about what pronoun to use. Seriously. I'm sorry. I don't really care where you are on the political spectrum. That's stupid. That's stupid. If you're a man, you're a he. If you're a woman, you're a she. Wear Wrangler jeans and a flannel shirt if you want. But you're still a woman. I don't care. We're arguing about stupid stuff like that. And as a church, as Christians, we get caught up in that. When what we should be getting riled up and worked up over is the fact that nobody wants to tell these people about Jesus. That's what the church is all about. That's what we're here for. That's what makes a church go. Now, it's also where the church, I believe, sits on the edge of the knife of functionality and dysfunctionality. Where volunteers give of their time, energy, and finances to, to advance a cause that is not always popular and one that they can easily walk away from at any time. And silence prevails, right? That's the, that's the ugly side of a church. You might get angry with your boss at work, but man, if that, guy, if that man or woman writes you a nice check at the end of the week, you know what you're going to do on Monday? Show up for work. You may, have, you may serve the worst clientele in the world. You may have the pickiest people walk into your restaurant or your bakery or your, uh, your uh, auto body shop. You may, you may deal with nothing but knuckleheads all day long. But if they pay their bill and you have the ability to pay your mortgage and put food on your table and drive what you drive and do those things, you know what you're going to do? You're going to show up for work the next day. But in a church, what I just said about pronouns would offend half of this state. And people would walk away. Sorry. Truth is truth. And that's the rub, that's the downside of a church. If people don't buy into and commit to the ministry fully, then they're free to walk away. I mean, you're free to, no, you're wrong. Nobody's, you don't sign a contract here. Nobody's, nobody's got a, 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 a ball and chain tied around your leg. No, I'm not going to make any wife, wife jokes, okay? Or husband jokes, I'm not going to do it. Nobody's got you tied to this place. You're here because this is where God has called you to be and where he has a ministry for you to accomplish. But but the same part of the church that is beautiful in that fact that people volunteer and give is the same part that holds it close to dysfunction. Because some pastors and some leadership teams cater to people because we can't lose their money. What are we going to do if we lose their personality? What are we going to do if we lose their this? And what are we going to do if we lose their that? You know what we're going to do? We're going to trust God to meet the need. That's what we're going to do. We're going to trust God to meet the need. Because this is his church. This is his kingdom that is being built, not mine. I just get to be a part of it. My reward is in heaven, not here. And we need to understand that. Now, 
It's the place where competition and ego can set in and cause division. Where one may think their importance to the cause is of more value than another because it is more visible or recognizable. The place where the understanding and acceptance of Jesus' words, a cup of cold water in my name, is of great value, are vital. There's, there's no, nothing tying you to this place. There's simply the opportunity to get involved with a plan in a faith to further the kingdom of God in this community and perhaps beyond. And that is why the intersection of gifting and passion is so important because at the intersecting of gift, intersection of gifting and passion is where you will find your ministry. At the intersection of gifting and passion is where you will find your ministry. That's what we're going to be talking about the next few weeks. The intersection of gifting and passion. This is something, I've got to be honest, I'll be 57 next month. I've been in ministry since it was 19. I was in the army in, in Kansas, and I uh, was asked to take over the youth ministry at a church in Junction City, Kansas. So I've been uh, a lay minister for whew, longer than some of you have been alive. That's scary, isn't it, Keith? That's scary. Keith was a year ahead of me, so you want to talk about someone that's old uh, in school. Keith, I was, I, was telling, I was telling my nephew, Jeremy, Keith, raise your hand, Keith. This is a large man, and when you go to the gym, he work, we work out at the same gym, he scares me. He, it's amazing what he lifts. But his brother, Kurt, was in my grade, and we played football. In my lifetime, I have never been hit as hard on the football field, off the football, anywhere as his brother hit me in practice. We're talking practice. We're talking practice. <laughs> he hit me, and it's one of those things where I wish I, I could have just crawled through my shoes because it hurt so bad. But I had to get back up like, yeah, let's go, let's go again. Oh, oh, anyway, anyway. Um, in all those years, this is something that God has just poured into my heart and tried to help me understand. Because, you know, we, as many of you have gone through, when you went through discipleship classes in other churches, you took uh, spiritual gifts tests, right? And, and they have their value. It helps you understand your personality. It's more of a personality test than it is a spiritual gift test. But often, what, is, it, is it just magical that when you accept Christ, that it's like, bam, God gives you a special gift. Bam, there you go. Zap, it's like Shazam. Boom, Shazam. You've got a special gift. By the way, did you know Shazam? Did you know Shazam, the, the, hero, the superhero Shazam was a foster kid? Yes, it's a foster kid. My boys instantly identified with it. Foster kid that was adopted, Shazam. My favorite superhero, other than Iron Man. But I've always, always wanted to, to understand what that's all about, how that works. And as I began preparing this, and as God just developed this, idea and concept, this came out. The intersection of gifting and passion is where you find your ministry. Our text is Psalm 37 verse 4, and it says this, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. Now there's two ways you can, you can, um, you can break this scripture down. Two ways you can apply it. One, I think is 
I think it's kind of a secondary application. I don't really uh, think that it's, it's God's primary thought here. But one is, if you delight in God, he's going to bless you with the things you desire. Now, you need to make sure that, you know, you don't, you're not expecting God to give you a new Mercedes if you, you know, can't afford the payments. <laughs> the other way is this. I, and I believe this is the primary application of what David was saying when he wrote Psalm 37, verse 4. If you delight yourself in God, if you make him the desire of your heart, if you indoctrinate yourself into a walk and the word and everything that Jesus has for you in, in, in your life, if you do that, that he will place within your heart the desires that will give you the best life you can possibly have. He will place within your heart the desires that will draw you closer to him and cause you to be more and better equipped. If you give your heart to Jesus and you buy into everything that he wants for you and you get involved in this local church and you buy into what we're doing here and you dig into the scriptures, you know what God's going to do? He's going to invest right back into you. And he's going to give you more understanding. He's going to give you more wisdom. He's going to give you more love. He's going to give you more grace. He's going to give you more ability. Because the one that takes and uses what he gives to you is the one that he blesses more. Remember the parable of the talents? The one with the ten talents? God gave him, said, go on, you're blessed. The one with five, go on. The one that hid his talent? God took his talent and gave it from him and gave it to the one who had been serving faithfully? That's a great example of what we're talking about. The intersection of gifting and passion is where you find your ministry. <clears throat> the place where what you love to do meets what God has gifted you to do. That's what this message is about. You see, <clears throat> excuse me, finding out how the things you love and the things that God has created you to do and to be good at can work together to build a church, to build relationships and build the kingdom of God. In this message, like I said, which is going to take a couple weeks, probably three weeks, we're going to be looking at 11 different categories of, or kinds of gifts. We're going to be looking in the Bible to see what they are, what they mean, and how they function in the local church. Because that's what's really important. If you want to know what your spiritual gifting is just so you'll know, it's of no value to you. But if you want to know how God has gifted you and how, you, how, how, how God has, has enabled you and God has uh, empowered you as a follower of his with a spiritual gift so that you can serve in the church, man, that's important. And that's a worthy purpose to study out. Finally, we're going to be looking at the practicality of these gifts and your passion and see just how specific and very, how your specific and very uh, special gift can be used within our church to further this ministry. You're here, man. New Life Church. This is a, an exciting church to be part of right now. It always has, always has been, but right now it's an exciting place to be. We're growing. We're seeing people come, new people come in almost every week. We're seeing people come to know Christ. We're seeing an impact. You know, this, this town of East Long Meadow, which is so closed off to so many things, this town of East Long Meadow, which is 
so unchurched and so uh, without a desire and an understanding of God is being, connect, is being impacted for the kingdom of God by this church. We're reaching people in this town. We're reaching people in the Forest Park area, the 16 Acres area. We're reaching people in Enfield and across the river. This church is making a difference. It's time to get on board with what's going on because this is an exciting place to be to build the kingdom of God. Make no mistake, this is an open and unashamedly bold attempt at education and motivation for each of us in this church to either get involved or get more involved. I make no apology for that. I pastor New Life Church. I don't pastor First Baptist Church of Dallas. I don't pastor First Assembly of God in Sacramento, California. I pastor New Life Church. I make no apologies for telling you this is a great place for you to be. I make no apologies for saying, hey man, we got a place to serve. We, we, can, we can plug you in wherever God has gifted you and whatever you are passionate about. And I will not hesitate to do it. I was just, while the, while, while the announcements are going on, I was talking with Zach, our assistant pastor, and I was talking to him about plugging people into ministry that had just talked to me that morning. I mean, we're about it. We're about getting people connected. We don't want to waste any time. I fully believe that many people don't get involved because they don't feel that they have anything of value to offer or because they just don't know how what they love to do and what they can do fit into this ministry. Because for so many decades and and years, the church was just a cookie cutter, right? It, It was everywhere you went, it was the same thing, the same thing. Well, times have changed. We live, in a, we live in a society that changes by the minute. And when times change, when society, when, 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 different thi- when, when things change like that, it means that the church must adapt. And when we try to adapt our ministry, not our message, our message is always going to be the same, but when we, when we adapt our ministry, it means that it opens up so many different opportunities. You know that we have a, we have a social media team. We have a social media presence. The reason we had 6,000 people here at Trunk or Treat a couple weeks ago is because of Facebook. Do you know that? It's all Facebook. Well, Facebook and, and you inviting people is Facebook. No, no shame in that. You know what the best part about it was? Facebook's free. I think we might have spent some money uh, promoting it, but we, we spent less money promoting that than it would take to put an ad on the local Christian radio station. Facebook. We have a social media team. That's brand new. Now, there are people that don't like that. There are churches that think we're heretics, and that's a get in line, right? But you'd be foolish not to, not to have a presence on a platform that over, you ready for this number? That over three billion people have a presence on. What started with a, tele- with a, with a telephone, um, Zach would, would, uh, would film me with a phone during the sermon, and then other people got involved. And I think at one time we'd have nine or ten phones going, right? We have one, when, we had, when we had pews, we had one mounted, a phone mounted right over here. 
And then we moved up to Amiibo camera. And now we've got a camera right back there. Everybody wave to Facebook. We're on Facebook Live. We're on Facebook Live. I think last, last month, was, last week, I think it was 500 views. 500 views of our, of our message on Facebook. And then our podcast has been downloaded in 27 different countries around the world. Little New Life Church. Little New Life Church. Hey, man, somebody in Iran downloaded our podcast. Wow. Iran. Now, that can be exciting, and it can also be a little concerning. <laughs> Iran. Did you know that because you give and support the ministry of New Life Church, someday in heaven, you might sit down or be met by an individual from Iran who says, thank you for giving to the ministry of your church because I heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ and accepted him as my savior. And I'm here today because of that. You see, that's what it's all about when it, gets, when it talks about getting involved in ministry. And when we talk about all these different ministries, it's not because we want to be cool. It's not because we want to be fashionable or cutting edge. It's because we want to take every opportunity that's possible and available to us to reach people short of sin. If it ain't sin, we're going to consider it. It may not be possible. It may not be feasible. But I'll tell you what, I don't like, I don't like people being able to see what I say on Sunday mornings personally. I'm a shy individual. I, I, I'm bald. You know, they, they tell me all the time, there's a shine that comes off my head. First time I preached out in the church I worked in in Missouri, the front row, guys put sunglasses on. I wanted to hit somebody, man. It was a joke, man. They put sunglasses on. I'm like, shut up. But just because I'm uncomfortable, or just because you're uncomfortable, doesn't mean it's something that's wrong doing, doesn't mean it's something you shouldn't get involved in. You see, that's what we're going to be talking about here. How God wants to use the things that you love and the things that he has given you the ability to do to reach people with the gospel. Some of you have been told that what you love is irrelevant and doesn't fit in in the church. Did you know that God created creativity? Isn't that cool? I'll mention this again. I'm not shamelessly plugging a restaurant here, but... Uh, Drew Brown, one of the coolest guys you ever meet. Uh, had the privilege of sitting down and chatting with him. Uh, he owns Highbrow in Northampton. Man, I'll tell you. It, he's the reason people get overweight. Because they, they, watch, they watch how he cooks. You cannot, I, you know, I, I don't like fish. And I want to eat fish when he cooks it because it looks so amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> He's a chef. <laughs> Amazingly creative. The creativity that God has given him, he uses to feed people. Let's spiritualize that, shall we? The creativity that God has given you in your life he wants to use to bring the bread of life to others. God, who created creativity, wants you to be creative in the church. These ladies did they had a real cool time last night. 
And uh, my wife, I proudly, I do, it's a, she, she made this, I was so honored that, that I said, man, I would love to put that on my office. And she about flipped out. You want this in your office? Yes, I do. It's really cool what she did, that, what the, the craft they made. So it, you come down to my office, it's uh, unashamedly, it's, it's decorated in Dodgers and Rams paraphernalia. But there's also this beautiful uh, string art thing that's there. It's just amazing. It's amazing. Creativity, man. You know what that did last night? The opportunity to be creative last night? You know what that did? Go ahead. You know what that did? That brought a bunch of women together. Samples. Yes, there you go. There you go. It's beautiful. Yes. But the opportunity to be creative brought women together for fellowship. And it gave, it gave women the opportunity to get to know each other. We're, we're a church that's been here since 1976, but this evolution of new life is probably only about two or three years old. Two women sitting back here, charter members of this church, right? Only because they're my sisters and my dad, right? And I will have to introduce my sisters to just about everybody in this church because these women who were charter members and were here when this whole thing started, now don't know anybody because there's so many new people. Isn't that cool? I mean, you know, Cliff has been here since before dirt got into this place. (laughs) But Cliff needs to get introduced because that's what's going on here. And as we continue to grow and serve and minister, we need to find how God wants to use the things we love and the things he's gifted us with to be able to do, how they can connect to make this ministry vital and exciting and, yes, attractive. Because we want to attract people so we can share the gospel. Now, quickly... I want to share with you the 11 areas of gifting that we'll be examining. Just going to go through them. Where I'll comment just a little bit on them, and we'll end this message today and, and pick it up next week. The 11 areas of gifting that we're going to be examining are these. And, I, and before I get into it, understand, we're not going to be getting into all the controversial gifts, okay? Uh, because... Some, of, some gifts are, are personal and, and whatever, you know, however you feel about things is how you feel about things. What I'm concerned about is how I'm concerned about the practicality of your gifting. The practicality of how God has blessed you. God has blessed Pete to play the guitar. He's given the gift of music. Well, I'm not going to ask Pete to take that guitar and drive a nail. That's foolish. Ask Pete to play the guitar and sing, right? So we want to understand what the practicality of these gifts are. So these 11 different categories, they may be different from anything you've seen. They may be different from the list that you were raised seeing. But these are the 11 areas that we're going to be looking at. The first one is going to be the gift of administration. The gift of administration, because the Bible says that in a church, everything must be done decently and in order. We have people that, we, we, have, uh, we have a leadership team, we have a, a deacon, a group of deacons uh, who make sure that uh, I'm accountable and make sure that we do things the way we're supposed to do them. We have uh, financial people. Uh, at the end of the year, you'll get, if, if you've given, uh, you'll get a financial record and that has to be taken care of. 
Uh, we have an individual, we have bills to pay every week, right? We, our budget, it, it takes at least $100,000 to, for us to get by. That has to be accounted for. Listen, can I be honest? I'll just be very honest with you. I'm very transparent. If you've never been, never been here before, you've never heard me preach, you'll understand I'm a very transparent person. I'm, I'm going to let you know who I am and what I'm about. Uh, if you're looking for somebody to handle the financial aspects of this church, you're looking at the wrong guy if you're looking at me. It is, it's not that I can't do it. I was a very good math student. It's that I really don't care. I, I gotta be, I'm just being honest. My, dad is, my dad's freaking out right now because my dad is our financial guy. He's like, what do you mean you don't care? I, I, God's going to bless his church. God's going to meet the needs, okay? I believe that God wants your heart first. If he has your heart, then your wallet will follow. Does that make sense? If God's got your passion, if God's got you hooked on building his kingdom, the money will come, okay? You'll see the need and you'll get involved. I'm going to say it, okay? I don't deal with things as petty as money. I know it's important. I know the Bible talks about it a lot. I don't need emails telling me and giving me dissertations about money. I'm a pastor. I understand. Okay? I get it. I would, I would, oh, if there's one person here that would love the, the offerings to increase, it would be me because I'd love to get a full salary. Okay? But it's not a big deal. God's given me the ability to work. I can go work. Somebody's going to hire somebody with a titanium leg. You know? Come on. It's a party trick. But administration, maybe you're a business kind of person. Maybe there's all kinds of business ideas that you have that you can look at the church and ways we can, you know, I mean, there's so many different areas. Administration is a gifting. Maybe you've got creative ideas for how the church can, can, can meet its needs and, and reach out. That's a, did you know that that's a gift from God? The gift of administration? Then we've got the gift of craftsmanship and creativity. Craftsmanship and creativity. Jeremy Lemon is our deacon over uh, building maintenance and things like that. Jeremy, he looks like it too. Jeremy back there looks like he's going to, you know, dig into a turkey leg. Um, <laughs> Jeremy, you, see, you talk with Jeremy. Jeremy has so many plans for this building. Jeremy, once again, has been here since 1978, right? We were born. <laughs> Um, we've got a new set of doors that's going in here. We've got a, a brand new set of doors. We're going to be going in. If you walk back in the hallway, uh, when we first bought this property, I was 13 years old, and uh, the the door, the, the you came in the door, but there was right there. If you go in the hallway where the donuts are, that's usually where the donuts and coffee. That's a great point of reference, right? If you walk past it, if you look at that long brick wall, you'll notice that there's two different kinds of brick there. There's cinder block, which is just a little slice of heaven to try to cut through, okay? You'd be coughing that stuff up for decades. And then there's cement block. They're bigger, and the texture is different. Well, that cement block used to be a garage door, right then? It was a garage door. And if you walked in that garage door, remember? remember? If you walked in that garage door, there's a food truck in there. There's a food truck sitting there in the fellowship hall. This used to be a chicken hatchery, right? And back here, the grass was like six feet tall, and in the middle was a, a weed farm. Not, not weeds in your garden, weed. 
guys were, guys were, guys were growing marijuana back here. And, and we had a, we had a, we had a fire. It's back when you could burn openly in town and guys cut it down. No lie. No lie. Guys cut good Baptist boys. Guys cut that down and threw it on the fire. <laughs> Nobody cared after that. Like, hey man, what's for lunch? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but yes, I know. I know. But that, that play, that where those, those um, uh, concrete blocks are, there's a metal header, an iron header above that. And we're going to take that out. One of these days, we're going to take that out and we're going to put double doors in there. Well, we need people to do it because you might want me to swing a hammer to knock something down, but not to put something together. <laughs> Seriously. Don't let, me near, don't let me near power tools. Craftsmanship, creativity, roofing, all these things. Man, that's a gift from God to be able to do that. If God has given you the ability to be a carpenter, if God has given you the ability to decorate, you don't want me to... Well, listen, when anybody says something about decorating and painting a room, and if it's a guy... I kind of look at them, especially the younger guys. Bless their hearts. They're learning, okay? Hey, let's, let's paint at this. I'm like, okay, guys, that's real nice that you have an opinion, but I don't care. Um, I'm going to talk to a couple women because that's who's going to talk to me after you paint it the color you want to paint it, okay? So, so we're going to talk to the women and let the women choose the color. Not, not being sexist, it's just the way it is, right? Man, did you know that that is all part of building the kingdom of God? That's all gifting that God has given. Craftsmanship and, and creativity. Third one is discernment. We're going to be looking at discernment and what discernment really is. The Bible says in 1 John to try the spirits to see if they are of God. What does that mean? We're going to be looking at discernment. We're going to go quickly through these. The fourth one is evangelism. We are all called to share our faith but there are some people who are gifted in such a way that they turn every opportunity in the world to share their faith. You want to know what that's about? I will introduce you to my wife, Erin. Erin, it's amazing. Amazing to me. Erin can, can take... I was bringing her home. I've told this story before. I was bringing her home from work one day before we had the boys move in. And we stopped at the Dunkin' Donuts in the gas station right off the Enfield exit, the Longmeadow Enfield exit. We went in and Aaron ordered an iced coffee and saw a tattoo of a cross on a girl's wrist and started talking to her about Jesus. And the girl uh, was looking for a church. She came to church. Many members of her family came to church and several family members of her family got saved <coughs> over tattoos and iced coffee. That's why we're a two-tattoo minimum church. Uh, <laughs> But evangelism, we are all called to share our faith, but some people are just gifted in a very special way to share their faith. Well, if that's you, then we want to help you cultivate that gift. We want to, we, we want to put you in the place where you will be the most successful. You know, you know, what, evangel you know what evangelism works well? In discipleship. People that have the gift of evangelism, and sharing faith, really, 
work well with young Christians learning about their faith and learning how to share their faith. Next one is exhortation and teaching. Not everybody is gifted in teaching. Don't feel bad if you're not gifted in teaching. Not everybody can teach. But if you're gifted in teaching, we want to help you work that teaching out. One of the, one of the parts of our, of our 24-7 society is that we are going away from set services throughout the week. We'll have our set services on Sunday. We're gonna, you know, our, our goal is to have a second service on Sunday and then a, a service on Saturday night. And those will be the only set times we have for corporate church worship. We're going to have, we, we need to have Bible studies throughout the week to meet people where they're at. Because some of you, you don't have the, you don't have the time to come at a six, you, do, you really cannot physically make it at six o'clock on Wednesday night when I teach my Bible study. Because you're at work. Or you're getting your, or there's something, some impediment to that. But we want to provide the opportunity. I can't teach Bible studies 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So other people are gifted in teaching. I'm not threatened by that. I sit down and listen to my dad teach. I'd, I'd, I'd do that every day of the week if I could. Because he's gifted in teaching. I love to be taught. So if you're gifted in teaching and exhorting people, we want to know. We want to find that out. We want to help you develop that gift and plug you in. Because the more we use people in their gifting, the more we reach others. And the more we will build this church and the more we'll find out where other people are gifted and plug them in. You see, it's a, it's a growth process. The next one is faith and intercession. People who pray, man. People who know how to pray and love to pray and are, are willingly interceding for others all the time. People who can pray and people who have the faith to step out and say, you know what? This is what we're going to do. As a church, it's important that we, we exercise faith, expanding our parking lot. Might not have been a big deal for some churches. For us, it was a big deal. And we raised the money in four days. It was amazing. Amazing. Our church stepped out on faith. Well, faith is important in your, in your life as a believer. Faith is what accepting Jesus Christ is based on. But there are some people who are gifted with an enormous amount of faith who just trust God in everything and then know how to pray that way. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about giving. Lost a lot of people there. We're commanded to be responsible with our finances, right? We're commanded to be part of the giving process of our church. It takes money to operate a church. That's just a fact of the matter. It's a fly in the ointment. It's just a fact of the matter. And if you don't believe so, man, I'd, lo I'd love to sit down and just share with you what the Bible says about responsibilities of individuals in the church to give. I give. I draw a salary from the church, but I give. My wife and I give. It's important. But some people, and we're not talking about just regular giving. We're talking about people who, are, who just have a heart to give of everything, not just money themselves. Man, anytime there's a need, anytime Pete and Lori send out the, the SOS, we have 17 babies being born today. Okay, right? And then four people in surgery and this is that. And we provide meals that heal. And, and people are like, yeah, I'll take on three of them. Take on three people. Some people just have that giving spirit. 
We'll be talking about what that's all about. The gifting of healing and mercy. Now, that's not what, you're, what, what some people are thinking. We're not talking about faith healing, okay? That's something we can sit down and chat about if you want. Um, if, if you believe you have the gift of healing people physically, then let's take a trip down to the Shriners Children's Hospital because I got some kids I'd like to introduce you to that you can lay hands on and heal instantly. I believe in the healing power of God through prayer, and I believe the healing power of laying on hands of the people and how God will answer our prayers. Um, but I shy away when somebody says, I have the gift of healing. I had somebody tell me that about my knee. Well, I can, I can bring healing. Okay, you know what? I'd love it. Um, do it. <laughs> I just prove it to me. I, I don't know what you want me to say, and then I got a metal knee. So, you know, uh, I'm not being mean here, but let's, what we're, we're not focusing on the stuff that is kind of irrelevant to the operation of a church. You follow me? The way we're going to be looking at healing here is this. <clears throat> Many of you, <clears throat> excuse me, have the gift of healing individuals that have hurt deep in their heart. Some of you ladies went through unspeakable horrors as children. And God miraculously and has graciously brought you through that. And even though every day it may still be a struggle, you have moved <clears throat> to a place of victory. But did you know this? According to the Barna organization, at least according to pastors that were interviewed, at least 25% of all those who go to church have something in their life <clears throat> that was done to them that they consider unforgivable towards others. Whew. Boy, that's a chain I don't want around my leg. To have something in my life that I consider is, uh, that I will never forgive that person for, those people need a healing. <clears throat> that only comes about by people who, have, who understand mercy and understand grace in a deep and powerful way. You didn't have to go through it on your own. To, to be able to do this, but you need to understand the human condition as it relates to the spiritual, as it relates to the Bible, and how God looks at that and says, I can take care of that if you'll let me. And they need to be walked through the process with grace and love and compassion over and over and over again. People that can't be shocked by what the story is. You know what I'm talking about? Boy, that's a special gifting. The gift of healing. Healing people's lives. We're going to be talking more about that. Helping and service. As a kid, I always used to see this one. I had to get the helps. Get the gift of helps. What the heck is helps? Right? It's helping. Well, why can't we just say that? <laughs> it's helping. The gift of helps. Helps and service. It is so vital. Ask, ask a, a, a deacon, ask somebody who's over a ministry that involves people getting involved, people getting on board helping. It's vital that people understand the gift of helping and service, <clears throat> the gift of hospitality. We have a hospitality ministry. And maybe you are just the, the hostess with the mostess or the host with the most, and it's just some, you just can't get enough of it. 
right? You bake just to bake so you can give it away. Man, that's the gift of hospitality. We could plug you in here. And the last one we're going to be looking at is the gift of leadership. And that's not a gift that everybody has. Leadership is not, none of these gifts, you are not going to be able to check off every one of these and say, yep, that's me, yep, that's me, yep, that's me. I can look at that and, and right off the bat, I can disqualify myself from about six of them. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> Mercy? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go watch football today. <laughs> Ain't no mercy on the football field. Just a little joke. You don't have to fit into every one to be valuable to God. That's why we're going to be looking at the Word of God and seeing what these are and how they fit in to the practical nature and operation of a church. Because not everybody can do everything, but if everybody does something, a whole lot of things will get accomplished. Man, I love the church. I love the church. I love the concept of the church. I love everything about it. I truly do. I've said this before. I love everything about the church. I love seeing people fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with the church because I truly believe that this is what he wants for his children here on earth. And if it's done right, it's amazing what a church can do for you, for your family, and for others. Ah, oh, I can't wait. I could go on, but we don't need to. Uh, we'll pick this up next week. I'm excited about what God has for us and what we're going to look into. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house today, to look into your word, Lord, and to see the truth of your word and the power of your word. And Lord, what I love, the practicality of your word. I pray, God, that as we think about these things, as we meditate on them and allow them to, to get through into our head and our minds, God. Lord, would you just, just bring us to a place of understanding of what you have for us, who you are for us, and what we can do here. God, take away our fear and give us courage. Lord, as we go from this place today, may we go forward looking for opportunities, looking for those open doors, just desiring to find out where it is you want us to serve. Would you bless us, Lord? God, cause us to look to you for everything we need. Take us deeper in our faith, Lord. Dismiss us with your blessings. In your name we pray. Amen.